We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode, and it's going to be around this kid. We were the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation, and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. Aikman is intercepted by Sam Mills. Steve oh! Smith is going to go all the way. Panthers win in overtime. Newton steps up, close to the end zone. Olsen, touchdown! This one is picked again. Intercepted by Boston. Bridgewater. Throw into the end zone. Touchdown. Samuel still on his feet. Inside the five to the end zone. Touchdown. What a play. And it is caught for the touchdown by Moore. And in the foot race, McCaffrey to the end zone. He pounded on three. One, two, three. He pounded. Welcome to another episode of The Roar, brought to you by Blue Wire. John, unfortunately, is still out, sick with COVID, but talking to him today, he is feeling better, so that's always a good sign. But to help us preview Saturday's upcoming opponent, the Green Bay Packers, we have Jake Morley from Packer Report 66, 24-7 Sports, and the Pack-A-Day podcast. Jake, how are you? I'm good, man. I'm uh, excited. It's good that you just said it's a Saturday night game because that that's good. <laughs> that keeps that keeps throwing me off. You know that it's going to be a Saturday night, or I'll probably need another reminder Saturday afternoon. But but I'm doing good, man. Ready to talk some ball. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, this is, um, I mean, last year the Panthers and the Packers actually had a pretty uh, close game there in Lambeau Field while with the snow. Um, unfortunately, Christian McCaffrey was one yard short from um, potentially tying the game. I know they had to go for two. So uh, it, it's been some, they've had some interesting meetings over the years. But what I'm really fascinated by um, has been the evolution of Matt LaFleur's offense because just a few years ago under McCarthy, this was a team that did not use pre-snap motions pretty much at all. And um, I've read a lot of different kind of analysis on their offense, their evolution. And one thing that they've done, and I don't know if this is a product of LaFleur working for the likes of Shanahan and McVay, but they're one of the highest usage team with pre-snap motion, which has kind of taken their offense to new levels. I mean, right now, according to football, pro football, excuse me, football outsiders, DVOA metric, they are number one in the NFL and offense, and their EPA per play is pretty much tied with Kansas City, um, which we all know is an elite offense. So what has been kind of your take from the inside on this evolution that's gone on with Matt LaFleur's offense? I think it's, you know, it's been one, it's been a few things. One is, you know, last year, you really saw this offense kind of marrying old Mike McCarthy concepts with, you know, Matt LaFleur's new stuff. And I think a lot of that was just the product of asking, you know, Aaron, what are you comfortable with running? And LaFleur's done a really good job of kind of, you know, stitching those things together to, you know, have Aaron do things that he's still really comfortable with. And in the same breath, you know, kind of reinstalling what he wants to do, which is what you said, a lot of pre-snap motion. And to kind of just really make it simple is, when Mike McCarthy was here, he basically wanted to say, hey, you know, Jordy Nelson, Greg Jennings, uh, Jermichael Finley, Donald Driver, go beat the guy in front of you. And that's basically what we're going to do. Those are going to be our route concepts. We're going to line up. We're going to let you know what we're doing. And it's basically, hey, here, stop us. And when you have guys like the guys I just mentioned, you can do that. You know, you can do that when you have a young Devontae, Jordy, Greg Jennings, and just a wealth of weapons. Um, what really stopped for Green Bay is they stopped, they stopped drafting those guys. And it got, the well kind of came up there. And so what you're seeing in Green Bay now is guys like Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Alan Lazard, Robert Tanya, guys that are good football players. They're good, um, but they're not guys that I would say, hey, go beat somebody. And, and you want to live with that. Now, Devontae Adams is that guy. He, he can still do that. And he does. Um, but what we see with this offense now is a lot of pre-snap motion, a lot of getting the defense to think and react to, you know, say, hey, if we can get the, you know, the second level of the defense, the linebackers to take one false step, one false step, that's all we need. And we're going to get a guy like Alan Lazard some space to work. And when you have a guy like 12 that, you know, open is can be six inches. You know, if you have six inches of separation, that's, that's enough usually for Aaron Rodgers to be able to put the ball where it needs to be. And so what we're seeing with this offense now is a lot of wide open guys. Um, a lot of when, you know, kind of Kansas City envy, really, of any fan that watches their offense and anybody that, let me add, stupidly <laughs> wants to try to tear down Patrick Mahomes because he's freaking incredible. Uh, but you do watch that offense and you do say, wow, he's thrown to a lot of open guys. And what they do is, is very similar to Green Bay. You know, they got Tyreek Hill in motion. They get, you know, Hardman in motion. They get guys moving, and then they have the horses to obviously run that. So, uh, you know, to give you kind of a long answer to your, to your question there, I think that's what we're, we've seen with Green Bay is just that transition from Mike McCarthy 
to Matt LaFleur's offense. And luckily for LaFleur, things have worked out really, really well for him. And I think he has complete buy-in from this team. And I know that was one of the major obstacles that a lot of people were going to talk about with this Packers team was, are Rodgers and LaFleur going to get along? And they seem like BFFs, Billy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's really encouraging to hear. And um, I've always been a big Rodgers fan, even just watching him come up through the years under um, you know Sherman, obviously, that McCarthy. And uh, did he play for Sherman? Actually, I don't even know if that's correct. I think well, it was McCarthy. That would have been, his rookie year would have been Sherman. Uh, that was Sherman's last year, got fired. Then it, then it was the McCarthy show. Got it, got it. Okay, so he's been pretty much with McCarthy. But I've always just been a huge fan of his. And, um, and, and it's really good to see him thriving, especially because, you know, there's always these narratives out there. Um, and I think it started last year, a lot of the analytics community, and they kind of they didn't really trash him. They just thought he was a little overrated. But now um, I was reading some articles today on PFF about how Rodgers should be the MVP candidate, and I certainly agree. Like, it's – it, it's been kind of an interesting dynamic as far as how he's been able to kind of, um, you know, evolve his game too, because I mean, he's 37, 38 years old. And, and, and I have to give, be honest with you, these skill players, and like you mentioned, Tanyan, um, Valdez, Scantling and Lazard, they don't really scream like uh, guys that would, I mean, if you put those guys like an offense, like Carolina's, I'm just not sure they're going to have the same type of production. And I think that's a credit to Rodgers on the floor um, for providing the kind of foundations for them to succeed. Um, now, I think one of the big – and I'm going to ask you this now is uh, the big sticking point, especially last year's draft, was the help that Rodgers would get, such as – I mean, I know there was a big controversy taking Jordan Love and then uh, A.J. Dillon, but – with these skill players that you've mentioned and that we're discussing now outside of Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams, who we know are probably at the top of their respective positions. How do you feel about the, those, the tight end and the wide receiver unit? Yeah. I mean, I think if, if you're Carolina, what you're doing is saying, Hey, we're, we're going to take away 33 or we're going to take away 17. Uh, probably not going to be able to take away both is what most teams haven't been able to do this year because yeah beyond beyond that I think you hit the nail on the head I think the guys that are mentioned like the Lazards the Tanyans they're guys that yeah if you put them in another offense I'm sure they're fine players uh, but they're guys that are really benefiting from what Lafleur and Rogers are able to do so I think I think that's what you try to do the guy that the guy that can honestly be scary and I think I think Lazard is better than MVS Valdez Scantling but Valdez Scantling what he has that is scary is that deep speed and you'll see him hit I mean he he's like a a high variance home run hitter you know where Mm -hmm. he'll strike out three times in one game but hit one and hit a home run in the next and that's just kind of how he's been this year where You've seen it where I think I saw a stat today where it's Rodgers leads the league in completions over 20 yards, and he also leads the league in drops over 20 yards, which is wild. Uh, But we've seen MVS drop a couple of those. But what he can bring is just that that type of speed that can keep defensive coordinators up at night. And when he's on, uh, this Packers offense is is really difficult to defend because you can't guard him one-on-one. He'll hurt you over the top. Um, so then you want to sit in a zone and bracket him, but then you leave Devontae Adams one-on-one or or you have to really pick your poison with what you want to do defensively. So 
you know, the Packers, as long as Aaron Jones and as long as Devontae Adams are healthy, this team is going to move the ball. And quite frankly, uh, Devontae Adams has missed almost three games this year at, at wide receiver, and the Packers were still, you know, cooking on offense. So uh, I think it's really a credit to 12 in LaFleur and pretty much whoever you throw in there, if they can be a player that understands the ins and outs of the offense and if they can understand what the defense is trying to do those are the types of guys now that are winning in Green Bay and those are the types of guys that Aaron Rodgers has even gone out on a limb and talked about the type of guys that he wants to play with Mm -hmm. he's the guy that you know he can look over to the left and they see the same coverage that he sees and they know where and when to break their route off where to sit down and Rodgers is going to hit them so those are the types of guys that he likes and and now that's part of the narrative too is some of these receivers that didn't work out in green bay are because they weren't i don't want to say they're not smart uh but they weren't on the same mental wavelength wavelength that 12 is and you you just need to be that way and and that's just kind of how it's been and that's kind of what frustrates him is and, and it's kind of rightfully so you're playing at the highest level and if you're trying to execute what you want to be doing and, you know, your buddy at the wide receiver spot goes in when you think he's going out and you throw a bad ball, you waste it down, like that is frustrating. So uh, that, that's, that's kind of, you know, this, this, wide, this skill position group is going to be the headline by Jones and Adams. But then the rest of the guys are just kind of heady football players that, yeah, they dink and dunk. Lazard is totally that guy that, you never think he's hurting you, and then you look at the stat sheet at the end of the game, and he has 140 yards and a touchdown. You know, that's just kind of his style. So uh, he, he's that type of player. He fits in well with his offense. But, you know, Rodgers and Jones, like I said, those, those are the guys that you really need to know about going into this game. Yeah, and before I final, uh, we finish up here with the skilled players, One, I want to stick with Devontae Adams because – Coming out of Fresno State, this was a guy that was a pretty average route runner. Even like his first season or two, he was not a guy who I thought at least didn't really he, – he wasn't really running like the most refined routes. But now I would say behind Keenan Allen, he's probably the best route runner in the NFL. And that's just it, – it's not just from his releases. It's everything he does. It's the way he's cutting at the top of his routes, um, the way he's using head fakes in his eyes to create separation – I know he's a former basketball player and I'm not sure what level he played at, but what went into like his development as a route runner? Because that's, it's a skill that you certainly, it's very rare to see wide receivers develop like an elite route running skill once they're in the league. Yeah, honestly, I don't have a great answer for that because I'm with you. When he came out of Fresno, he was a, you know, fades on fades guy. That's all he really did. And he was good at it, you know, playing with Derek Carr, but, you know, we, and we do some draft stuff, you know, in the off season and it, it's not normal to see a guy like that to develop into the route runner. Cause the, even the guy you mentioned in Keenan Allen, this is who he's always been. Keenan Allen has always been that dude. I was even going back to Cal that he wasn't a speedy guy. He won, uh, you know, with route speed variance, with being precise at the top of his route tree. So like, I, I honestly have no idea how Devontae got to the level <laughs> that he's at right now, but he seems to just get better and better every year. I think that's when you when you look at guys and you scout them, that's the hard part, right? Is when you look at them and say, okay, well, Devontae probably always had this type of movement ability within him, but did Fresno ever ask him to refine it? You know, so that, that's mm-hmm. the tough projection part, when, especially with receivers when they come out. And, you know, how 
you watch some receivers and say, well, this guy just moves different. And Devontae is kind of that way, you know, where you watch him. And De- Devontae, to me, he's that guy. Everything he does is cool. You know, and, yeah, I, totally and I mean agree. that like, like, like he, everything is just like, he looks like a basketball player, Euro stepping and crossing over when he's out there running his routes. Like he's just so, he's so in control with everything that he does. And, you know, one thing that I think, uh, you know, Matt Rule and his coaching staff knows this and what would be good for all, uh, you know, Panthers nation to know as well. If Devontae Adams is in the slot, chances are he's getting the ball because the, you put him in the slot with a two-way release and it's just, it, it's hard to, it, it's almost near, it's near impossible to defend. He's just kind of gotten to that level where, you know, it's, if it's third and three and he's in the slot and they got to have it fourth and three, fourth and two, that's probably where the ball is going to go. Mm-hmm. And that's honestly why it's great, but that's why a big reason why they lost the Indianapolis game is because they needed to have it. They went to Devonte. And Robert Tiny was wide open in, in the other end of the corner. But Rogers just knew. He's like, I'm going here. And, and he went there. And the defender made a good play. But, you know, that's just the evolution of Devontae Adams has been a lot of fun to watch. And, and it, it's so funny, too, because I don't know how many casual listeners know who Jeff Janis is. But there was a point in time where Packers fans, after Devontae Adams' second year in the league, where he – uh, was really called upon to kind of be the guy when Jordy Nelson went down. He was bad. Like, he uh, he really struggled. He was hurt most of the I year. remember that. But then going into his third year, people wanted to release him and give the keys to Jeff Janis. So that's kind of a funny thing still on Packers Twitter because there's a lot of people that wanted to do that. So <laughs> it's, it's also just a testament, especially with receivers, that, you know, like a guy like Curtis Samuel, you know, that you guys have. like he's developing he's a developmental guy like he's it's tough to give up on those guys too early you know and, and we're seeing it with uh with Robbie Anderson too in Carolina like he yeah. has really flourished in, in a new role where he's kind of been the dude so receivers are tough they're a tough one man and and you just gotta sometimes give them time and and you're rewarded like the Packers have been rewarded with Devontae and and Carolina now is being rewarded with Roby. You know, thanks to a lack of natural athleticism, commitment, or even overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day, because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi. Made for football watching. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. Yeah, definitely. I, I think it's it, it's a very fascinating position to watch develop because some players, uh, I mean, I, I personally did not see Justin Jefferson being this good this early. Oh, and God, no. <laughs> it, it's a very difficult position to scout. And I, I mean, I know you do a lot of great draft work yourself too. So um, it's it's always just kind of, fascinating to watch the development of these athletes coming in but uh, before we finish up the offense I do want to get your thoughts on this offensive line it's, it's an interesting uh, unit because you have the elite left tackle in Bakhtiari and then one of my favorite players that you have Elkton Jenkins I loved him coming out of Mississippi State and he's turned into one of the better interior linemen in the entire NFL and on the right side you have Ricky Wagner uh, and Billy Turner two guys that you guys spend money on in free agency um, 
I know Rodgers has a lot to do with the success of the offensive line because he can manipulate the pocket really well. He's very good at uh, stepping up and finding throwing lanes. But outside of Bakhtiari, we don't have to get into it. We know that he's an elite player. What's been your impression of the other four guys on the offensive line? There's been a lot of shuffling. You know, they, it's a credit to their offensive line coach, Adam Stenovich, what, what he's been able to do with this group because you have Bakhtiari, who's the rock, but he, he missed three, three or four games this year. And, and, and the aforementioned, you know, Elton Jenkins has played every single position on the offensive line this year. He's played center, right guard, left guard, left tackle, right tackle, and he's played them all pretty well. You know, he, he's kind of just a freak show athlete that can kind of do everything um, on the line. He played center at Mississippi State. But, you know, he's yeah. playing center right now for Green Bay because Corey Lindsley is out. And uh, really the three key cogs in that offensive line have been Jenkins, Corey Lindsley, and then Bakhtiari. And I think if you have three guys that are studs like that, it's, uh, it's, it's easy to kind of just get those replacement level guys in there. I think – Billy Turner has been pretty good this year at right tackle, but I think that's more of a testament to being able um, to have such a rock-solid line with him. And then Lucas Patrick is the other guard. Um, fine player. He's, he's good, but if you want to attack Green Bay, that's probably where you want to attack is those two guys. And then, obviously, um, Billy Turner has been better at right tackle than he has been at guard, but he's playing guard now. Because Ricky Wake, because so they they did a whole shuffle when Lindsley went out. They moved Jenkins to center, Patrick to the other side. They kicked Billy Turner inside, and then they inserted uh, Ricky Wagner at right tackle. So uh, the, it is a lot of shuffling, but they've been great. You know, they they've there really hasn't been an issue. Rogers, uh, if you look at Rogers, really deep analytics. What he still has kind of struggled with is being under pressure. He hasn't been uh, he hasn't been terrible, but if there's you want to say there's a chink in the armor this year, it's can you get after him? And nobody really has been able to except Tampa Bay. And we saw the Tampa Bay uh, the Tampa Bay stuff, and I think that kind of skews his numbers a little bit because that game was so bad. Um, but they've been they've been really good, you know. And, and that's kind of their calling card is is pass pro. Uh, they're really not a great run blocking unit. And a lot of people get that twisted because you hear about the Packers offensive line and, um, you know, the, the, as the MVP talks are heating up, that's kind of one of the secondary conversations is, well, Patrick Mahomes has all these skill position weapons, right? Uh, Aaron Rodgers has a fantastic offensive line. Both those are true. Uh, but, what the line's doing for Rodgers is that they do such a great job of keeping him clean in the pocket. Uh, but when you watch this team run the ball, it's, it's labored at times. And if you got, if you have some guys that can, uh, can, can really stop the run, you can really give this team trouble. You can really make them one dimensional um, if you can stop the run. And, and that's what they want to do is establish the run so they can get you with, you know, the play action and the RPOs. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Carolina has a okay to below average, um, Run defense. I mean, overall, their defense is not great, and I bet really shouldn't be a surprise given their personnel. But um, they're probably their one elite player on defense. Brian Burns is going to be tasked with going up against Bakhtiari, and uh, Burns has faded a little bit down the stretch. And you know, as we transition this conversation, Brian Burns and your first round draft pick in 2019, Rashawn Gray or Gary, um, are going to essentially be intertwined because both of them were 
in the same draft. They were taking a few picks apart. And I actually noticed that you uh, threw out their pressure statistics the other day on Twitter. What has what was your opinion on Burns coming out versus uh, Rashawn uh, Gary? And wh- how has Gary played this year? Because from from what I'm seeing in the few Packers games I have seen, I know he's um, certainly increased his production, which is encouraging. But uh, just going back to a couple years ago, what's been kind of your opinion on uh, those two guys and where they are now? I mean, I, I loved I loved Brian Burns coming. I think yeah, I had him as my third overall player in that draft class. I just thought he was – he was so unique in his ability to to bend the edge. I loved how he seemed like he always had a plan when he was rushing the passer. And then on top of that, he was a freak show athlete. You know, so I just thought, like, what what's he missing? You know, the, the big knock on him coming out was he's small. And that hasn't really been too much of an issue. You know, I really don't care if, as an edge rusher, if you're going to be a dominant run stopper. Like, get after the quarterback. That's what I want you to do. Um, so when the Packers passed on Brian Burns to take Rashawn Gary, I was pretty—I was actually pretty upset uh, because Rashawn Gary was a guy that I didn't know what I didn't know what the plan was for him. I knew, you know, where are you going to play him? Is he a three tech? Is he a D end? And then you're going to play him at edge or five tech? Like where are you going to play? So when the Packers wanted him to play edge, it's just to me it was like, well, why didn't you just take Burns, who's ready to play it right now? If that's if that's your plan, but. You know, the Packers' plan really was they are according to some of their coaches, they wouldn't have taken him if they didn't have Zadarius and Preston Smith. They wanted to take a guy that they could kind of let simmer for a little bit and hope that in their eyes he had the highest upside, which I'm not sure if I buy that because you look at Burns' relative athletic score and all that stuff too. They're very they're similar. You know, yeah. so you talk about upside. It's really I, – I, I didn't buy that argument, but – um, I've had to eat some crow on that this year. Would I still take Brian Burns over Rashawn Gary right now this second? Yes. Like, I, I, I'd do that so fast your head would spin. <laughs> uh, but but Rashawn Gary, to his credit, has has played well. He's played way, way better than I thought he would. Um, and he looks like he's starting to figure it out. And the, you look at his body, just his body this year. He looks like a completely different person. He's leaner. Mm-hmm. Um, he looks quicker. He still can't bend, and he never will be able to bend like Brian Burns can. Um, but he's more of a speed-to-power type guy, and he's starting to figure that out. He's still not getting as many snaps because he's behind um, Zadarius and Preston. He started to split snaps with Preston uh, because Preston has been just kind of whatever this year. Um, if you look at – and this is, this is the one stat that the nerds, the, the big-time nerds always go to with Rashawn and Burns uh, because there's a section of Packers Twitter that once you're a Packer – and I'm sure it's like this with any fan base. Once you're a Packer, you're the best pick ever. Like, no one else is any good. That's oh, the right man. pick. And, and, uh, and so you look at that, and I still think, like, man, I still am curious to see what Brian Burns is doing because he was a guy I really liked pre-draft and – you know, I'm happy for him, and I still would take him. But then you say stuff like that, and fans will immediately say, well, so you're saying Rashawn Carey sucks? Like, no, he doesn't. He's been fine. But I still would take this guy over him because I think he's better. Um, but, you know, the one thing, like I said, the one thing nerds were really point to is uh, Burns plays a lot more snaps than Gary. And if you look at their pressure per rush or whatever that weird stat is, it's almost identical. So, it. You know, in theory, 
in theory, if, if Rashawn Gary was playing as many snaps as Brian Burns, they would be, um, they'd be producing at a very similar level. So uh, I don't know about that. You know, that's always, that's always nice, but you got to do it still, you know, Burns is the guy that's gone out and actually done it. Um, so we'll see. And Burns has been such a playmaker too. So uh, I'm excited to watch him firsthand. You know, Gary got dinged up last week and, and don't get me wrong. I'm excited about Rashawn Gary. I, I hope he has a million sacks, but uh, we'll, we'll see. That one still stings a little bit, not as much uh, now that he's actually started to develop a little bit and you can kind of see what their plan is. And, and this Packers team is becoming more and more clear that they do not want to play young guys. Uh, I think Darnell Savage is the only guy in Brian Gutekunst's tenure that has had the keys since oh, wow. One going up and just saying like, Hey, you're the starter. Even, even Jair Alexander was not the starter for the first few weeks in green Bay. Even Elton Jenkins was not the starter for the first few weeks in green Bay and they had to earn everything they got their rookie year. So uh, the same is kind of true for Rashawn Carey and, and he's coming along. He's coming along. So uh, we'll, we'll see. I'm not sure if uh, Panthers fans are aware of how much uh, disdain that causes and and uh amongst Packers fans of how many people wanted Brian's Brian Burns and and they passed on him and then the Panthers took him yeah no I, I actually was one of the few who actually liked Rashawn Gary as a prospect I didn't like him at 12th overall but I I, I had him pretty rate I I he just I thought his skill set was a little underrated now maybe that's because you know I'm in Carolina and watching the Ron Rivera and John Fox's defenses where they rely a lot on the, those big ends like a Charles Johnson or a Greg Hardy or uh, even – I'm not saying it's Julius Peppers, and obviously Julius Peppers did play for your franchise too, so we have that mm-hmm. connection. Um, but I thought that he had a lot of skills where, like you mentioned, the speed to power, his ability to set the edge in the run game and um, and kind of diversify his rushes, maybe coming inside with an inside move. Um, what's encouraged me about Burns' development is – he has been developing a counter, uh, but he's been really good at setting the edge in the run game. And th- that was an issue um, watching this Florida State tape. I, I, well, I shouldn't say it was an issue, but it was something that I didn't see a lot of. And um, it becomes pretty difficult to project, especially once um, you're seeing a college defense and what they're asking players to do compared to what you're seeing in the NFL. So, uh, and let's stick with this Packers defense because it, it has become a point of, um, I, I, I'm not sure if concern is the right word, but it has the potential to be uh, the unit that trips them up in the postseason. And Mike Patton has received a lot of grief from the Packers fans that I follow on Twitter. Uh, I'm not sure if you're in that camp or not, uh, but just discuss what this defense why are they struggling so much? Because you mentioned they have talent. They have the two edge rushers. Uh, they're secondary. Amos is a guy that I spent a lot of money on in free agency. Savage is a good player. Um, and we already mentioned Jair Alexander. Uh, Kevin King looks – I mean, I know he struggled in the past, but he looks okay this year. Why is this defense maybe not playing up to its potential? It, that's that is the big question I think and I, and I never really like being fire the coach guy but you look at the talent you just look at flat you know blue chip players this Packers defense has and I think there's three guys that you easily put in that category with Zedaria Smith, Jair Alexander, Kenny Clark are probably top five at their position in the NFL 
And that's a, and so, okay, so you got all three levels there. You got a stud. And then you got guys like Amos who's knocking on the door. He's, he is, he's so, he's just solid. You know, he's solid to very good all the time. And then Preston Smith is a good player. You know, Rashawn Gary is ascending. Darnell Savage is ascending. Kevin King is a roller coaster, but his highs are really high. His lows are really low. You know, and then they have the rookie Kamal Martin who doesn't see the field, but he seems like he makes a play every fourth play. He's on the field. And you just start to wonder, like, okay, so they have the dogs. Why don't they – why do they suck so bad? <laughs> and you, you look at what Petten wants to do, and, and in theory it really makes – it makes sense to me what he's trying to do, but it's just infuriating to watch. And basically what, what Petten is doing is saying, we're going to force you – to put together 12 to 15 play drives to score. That's what we're going to force you to do, and we're going to bank on that you can't do that consistently all game, and we're going to bank on the fact that our offense should be able to put up 30 to 40 points on you, and we're going to try to take the ball away. We don't care about giving up yards. We'll give up all the yards in the world. We'll try to tighten up in the red zone if worse comes to worst and, and, and limit you to a field goal, and that's just how we're going to live. And it's frustrating because it lets teams back in the game. And that's happened a few times, like last week in Detroit, which I think if you watch that game, it's, it was never a game that I think you even raised out of your seat and, and raised your eyebrows because you just knew the offense was in such control that if they needed to score two more touchdowns, they could have done it in five seconds. You know, like they, that's just kind of how it was. But the defense just – I mean, the best example I can give that really is – frustrating for Packers fans is they get into these you know second second and 15 off a sack third and 12 and they're playing so soft like I mean third and 12 their guys are getting 12 they're playing at the sticks as well and just so it's just it just seems like they take their foot off the gas and and what it is is you know Pettin's just saying that's fine we just don't want to give up quick scores and I, I get that, and that, that's effective. You know, you're going to win. If you have a good offense, you win a lot of games that way. What Packers fans, I think, are kind of just waiting for, and I even said this last week, is like, man, I hope Aaron Rodgers wins the MVP so we can look back fondly on this 2020 season because I think ultimately it's going to be this Packers defense that, that breaks Packers fans' hearts, and it, as it has been throughout Aaron Rodgers' career, really. And so that's just – maybe we're just conditioned to think that way. You know, obviously the 2014 Seattle game still comes to mind. I still haven't watched that game again. <laughs> um, the, you know, just the, 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 uh, the Cardinals in the playoff. I mean, this defense has just been gouged. You know, Colin Kaepernick is, you know, still out there running the zone read against this, you know, this Packers defense in the playoffs. So it, it's just – it's tough and – I don't know what the answer is. I really don't because I think they have good players, uh, but they just don't always – they're not always put in a position to make plays. And I think that is a credit to coaching. But it's just – it's really tough to say. I think – I do think outside of the Packers winning the Super Bowl this year, I don't think Mike Patton will be back in Green Bay next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like there's been a little bit of a riff between him and LaFleur at times. Um, in some of his post-game pressers, LaFleur has looked visually perturbed when asked about some of the defensive calls that are being made out there. So it's, it, it's something, man. And, and stopping the run has been something that 
I don't think Mike Pitt really cares about. Last year he made the comment, you know, you can fly to Miami quicker than you can drive a car there, which he's basically saying, I don't care if you want to run the ball on us because it kind of goes into his whole philosophy of run it, take your five, take your three, four, five yards of play. That's fine. We'll wait for you to mess up and take advantage of it, and then our offense will come in and make you pay. But it, it's, it's interesting, and I'd be interested to hear your thoughts too about this. With no McCaffrey, I know Mike Davis has been – a really, you know, a, a very nice backup for them is, is this an offense with, you know, with Teddy that can sustain that, that can do that for a whole game? Because if you look at, if you look at the Vikings game, that's essentially what they did to the Packers. Right. They, they put together those drives and uh, the Packers offense was still great in that game, but they just hardly had the ball. You no, know, they yeah. were only able to put up 28 points. So are the, are the Panthers a team that can do that? 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need and you can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor the job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Right now, go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Well, yeah, I'm actually really glad you mentioned the Ben Don't Break philosophy of Mike Patton and his um, and how he develops his scheme because I, I think he's playing right into the Panthers' hands. This is not an offense that is explo- explosive. Um, obviously, you have guys who can create explosive plays in Samuel and Anderson, uh, but the way they're deploying them is not part of an offense that would really take a lot of downfield shots, which plays into um, Joe Brady's scheme and also Teddy Bridgewater's strengths as a player. Teddy Bridgewater, um, especially going into cold weather he's not going to chuck the 20 30 yards down the field he's going to play within the structure of the offense and even without davis or excuse me mccaffrey um this has been an offense that has moved the ball efficiently down the field and um they've been good enough to create the ninth ranked offense according to dvoa so it's it's certainly a i mean sometimes they can get off to slow starts uh, you saw that last week against Denver, but they did come roaring back and they had a chance to win the game. But this is going to be an offense where you're going to see Robbie Anderson in the slot. Most likely he's going to use his really um, crafty route running skills to win, you know, at the line of scrimmage and gain yards after the catch. That's what this offense is all about. DJ Moore, it looks like he practiced today, so he's on track to play. His biggest strength as a wide receiver, in my opinion, is his ability to get the ball in his hands, and then do it after the catch. The same with Samuel. Um, I think Samuel and Anderson, again, those are guys who run better routes than Moore. um, But it it all just plays into the offense. And I I think the biggest um, issue right now without McCaffrey especially is their inability to 
convert opportunities in a red zone. And again, you have a guy like Teddy Bridgewater. He doesn't have really strong arms. So it's going to be difficult for him to throw in the tight windows once the field does start getting condensed. So it's, it's a defense from what you're explaining that plays right into Carolina's hands. So I do expect Carolina to score points in this game. Um, my issue, of course, is you know, Carolina's a young defense and uh, their defensive coordinator is trying out a few things to kind of uh, find some sort of balance. I just don't think they can stop Green Bay's offense. And I think that's um, going to be their undoing, unfortunately, on Saturday. But, you know, it's, it's very interesting. You mentioned the LaFleur and uh, Penn friction because, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I, I'm pretty sure LaFleur called them out in the press conference after the NFC championship game and he still brought them back. Yeah, it's uh, that was kind of a head scratcher. And I think a lot of fans kind of were ready to see him go last year. Uh, but for whatever reason, he kept him, you know, he brought him back. And I know when LaFleur was first hired in Green Bay, you know, Petten was a guy that he was very strongly encouraged to keep. So I think some of that might be coming from all the way at the top with Mark Murphy just saying, hey, this is our guy. We're going to keep him. And and that's too bad. That really is too bad because they. I think they need some some fresh blood in there on defense. And and I think for better or worse, they, they need to be more of an attacking defense because that's who they have. They just kind of play scared. And who knows? The joke I made the other day on Pack-A-Day podcast was, you know, maybe they've just been sandbagging all year and they're going to get to the playoffs and they're going to play man and they're going to come after because actually when they play man, they're one of the better man coverage teams in the NFL, but they hardly ever do it. They play, they sit in a zone almost all day. So it's, you know, it's just, it's something, it's just uh, our buddy, you know, Justice Mosqueda has got that, (laughs) got that picture of Mike Pettin just saying cope. (laughs) And it's like, that's kind of just where I'm at with it is like, nothing's going to happen there. It's just, he is who he is. Everyone knows who he is. And I'm sure Matt Rule will uh, have a very successful offensive game plan. Um, but I'm I'm kind of with you, and that that's kind of been that's kind of been the story of the 2020 Packers is we'll give you some points, but can can you keep up? Can you keep up with the offense? And and so far it's worked out pretty well for Green Bay. And the other thing is, you know, it's not going to be nice at, at Lambeau Field. It's going to be cold. It's been kind of windy <laughs> this year. And you know, Teddy playing. Uh, in Green Bay, having experience playing in Green Bay with Minnesota, those were not always uh, very pretty. So, you know, maybe maybe Teddy is is kind of going to be be able to overcome that this weekend. But I'm sure Green Bay of all of all weeks are probably ready for um, kind of some of that winter weather rolling through Green Bay. Even though Carolina can run the ball, but uh, but we'll see. All it really takes is an offense to make one mistake, one turnover, and, and this Packers team is they're pretty they're tough to beat you know when when something like that happens so 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 we say but it seems like jk scott is giving up a touchdown every other week on special teams as well so that's yeah. kind of scary because took himself out oh gosh it's yeah, the, i just laugh here it's speaking yeah, of the coping, Cole like, one was pretty funny um yeah. but you know and, and let's finish this up now with they um our official predictions and we had uh blue rr sponsored by bet online um, currently I'm seeing the game Green Bay favored by eight and a half points. Um, and we kind of touched on this already. Personally, Carolina has, as a, as an underdog, they've covered every single game except against Tampa um, as underdogs. 
when they're favored, I think they've lost both times. It was against Atlanta and lost against Denver. Uh, so they have done a pretty good job of keeping games close. You saw them go into New Orleans and lose at the last minute by three. You saw them in Arrowhead um, last second field goal attempt, albeit very long, uh, losing by only two. So they have gone into tough uh, places traditionally. I know there's no fans, but still. Uh, and they've kept it close. And this is a team that's still um, learning how to win, essentially. And Teddy Bridgewater, he's had seven opportunities in the final minutes of the game uh, to win the game. And he's 0 for 7 on comeback opportunities. So, uh, you know, based on what you've already said about the Packers defense, I think Carolina will keep it close thanks to their offense. I think they're going to run the ball uh, pretty effectively, whether it's Mike Davis or Rodney Smith or Trent Cannon. And I think, and even Curtis Samuel, he's been playing some traditional running back too. Uh, but I just think the undoing of this uh, team will be their defense. And uh, I just, I don't really see them containing Devontae Adams and uh, especially, you know, the tight ends, Tanyan. And he, I, I expect him to have a big game because Carolina is pretty weak. Um, you know, their, their linebackers, Shaq Thompson, Jermaine Carr, they're really good. Um, moving horizontally and forward uh, in pass coverage, they struggle. So it, it's going to be a difficult game for them, certainly. Uh, but I think eight and a half, I think they will maybe get a garbage time touchdown. But um, with that said, I, I'll probably pick Green Bay to cover. I think it's going to be something like a 34 to uh, 24 type game. And the Packers offense is just going to be too strong for the Panthers to overcome. Yeah, I was I was going to say thirty four twenty eight. So we're, we're we're pretty we're pretty close. I mean, and that's kind of been the story of this Packers team as well, is they they've let teams back in the game. Not really, maybe not even back in the game, but there's been a lot of times where like their ESPN, you know, like win percentage is is above ninety five entering the fourth quarter, and they they really just take their foot off the gas defensively. And, and teams have kind of been able to make it look better than maybe it was. And, and I agree with you. I, th- I don't think this is, uh, this is not a you know, roll-out-the-helmets type game for this Packers team. I actually I really like the way this Panthers offense matches up with the Packers defense. And the Packers defense has got a couple of games like that. And obviously, Christian McCaffrey not being out is, is rough, but he's been out most of the year. So this team yep. is not – unfamiliar with you know not not having him so uh it, it should be interesting I, I expect a good game and a good Saturday night game during the holiday season man you can't really can't really ask for much better than that yeah especially in Lambeau hopefully I know there's no fans like we like I've said already but um yeah some snow will make the aesthetics look a little better on television so um you know Jake before you do sign off is there anything you want to plug for our audience uh, no, I mean, if you want to go ahead and give me a follow on Twitter, you can find me at Jacob Morley. Um, I'm pretty active during game days. Uh, I don't think I'm an annoying fan. <laughs> I'm, well, I might be. I, I get pretty heated, but if, if you just want a different perspective on game day, uh, just see what's going on in the Packers Twitter verse, go ahead and give me a, a follow there and and say what's up, and, and we'll talk some ball. I'll always talk football with anyone that wants to. So give me a follow there, and then uh, my game preview always comes out uh, Sunday morning at PackerReport.com. Uh, check that out. And, you know, in the off season, Billy, we're, we're hitting the, the draft stuff pretty hard. I do a lot of stuff for Arrowhead Pride as well in the offseason. Um, 
And I think if the Panthers lose this game, you're probably pretty much in in uh, draft mode, aren't you? Yeah, uh, you know, the fan base has essentially been in draft mode since week one. I know that's a lot of them wanted <laughs> uh, one of the top quarterbacks, but they've had to pivot since they've won some early games. But I can certainly endorse that. Jake does a lot of great work uh, on the draft, not only posting clips and GIFs um, on his own Twitter page, but uh, the Arrowhead Pride, and we had those guys on our earlier this season when previewing the Chiefs. They do a lot of great work on their draft guide. So, um, yeah, go ahead and follow Jake on Twitter. It's at Jacob Morley. And we should have a good – hopefully we have a good game on Sunday. Thank you, Jake. All right, Billy, thanks for having me, man, and uh, good luck to you guys. Football is back in full swing. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on all the action at Bet Bet BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team and player coaching prompts, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign on bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. 